Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, we're in the New Testament in the book of John. If you're in a place to grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. They answered and said to him in verse 39, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, which was believe. The works of Abraham was faith, to believe. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me. I mean, he's saying, he's drawing this contrasting viewpoint between their life, their view, their actions, their statement of who they think they are and what their connection is to God, and yet Jesus is just unraveling it right before him, just undoing it, saying, now, you're missing it. You seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth which I heard from God, Abraham did not do this. He says, you know, Abraham, that, that's not how he responded. You do the deeds of your father. He says, man, you're doing the deeds, basically, of the enemy, basically, is what they're saying. You do, do the deeds of your father in trying to kill Jesus. They're doing the deeds, then, of the, of the enemy. Satan came to rob, to kill, and to destroy, wanting to eliminate and, and remove Jesus from anything. You do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And you remember, this is the reference to Mary's uh, virgin birth, and this is their statement. We weren't born of, of fornication. This is an indictment against Jesus supposedly. And Jesus said to them, because we know that he has a father. He was born. So the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. If God was, if, if, if what you're saying is true, you would love me. And, and it is interesting that that idea of love, remember when we talk about love uh, and we look at, uh, man, Vine's it's got, I think, just the best thing on it. Love is best described, Vine says, in his expository dictionary on the New Testament words. He says, love is best described by the actions it prompts or promotes. Love is best described by those actions. That its, it's definition is really not just in a verb, uh, verbally, not just in a word being used, but that it's, it's packed with the, the action to follow. Love is best described by the action it prompts, this agape love. Think about it. God's love perfectly displayed for us on the cross. The action of God's love shown to us as Jesus gives himself for us. Powerful things to think on. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come from myself. As I said, I didn't come of myself, but he sent me. 
says, I know where I've been. I know where I'm going. I've come from the Father. I proceeded forth from him, from God. I don't come just of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? And Jesus is just saying that for their sake. Why don't you get it? Why are you short-circuiting on this? Why are you missing this? And he answers it for him. He's putting the question out there, but then he answers it for him. Because you are not able to listen to my word. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Those who are religious are not able to listen or to really hear. So it's not just the fact that they heard the words that he said, but they're not able to take it in and assimilate it and let it be a part of who they are. They're not able to take that word in and let it become a part of their life. Why? Well, the religious have a blockage through piety because they believe that in and of themselves they have a righteousness and they have no need of something else. They believe they're secure in their own actions and and everything, And, and Jesus is saying, no, you've missed it. If you're saying you're serving God, you're misunderstanding who God is. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe it's verse 6. Well, no wonder that looked funny. I was looking at Romans, so that was really going to throw me off. I'm back with you now. <laughs> Yours probably looked right. Mine looked a little odd there from a, I'm back with you. Verse 6 of chapter 2. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the carnal man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. God has given us his Holy Spirit that we might be enlightened and might have understanding of what he says and who he is. The Bible says that he's given us the Spirit that would lead us into all truth. That the Holy Spirit would be ultimately, truly, our teacher. Why do you not understand my speech, Jesus says to them. And he answers the question, because you are not able to listen to my word. There's something blocking it. 
that pride that gets in there that blocks us from being able to hear what the Lord would minister through his word. You are of your father, and now he nails him. It's going to get heated now. You are of your father, the devil. Wow, what an indictment. Can you imagine being the religious leaders of the time? I, I just like to get it in my mind's eye what it might have looked like, the whole scenario, as Jesus kind of just looks at him straight away, man. He doesn't look down when he tells them. He looks straight in their eyes, man. You're the devil. And just tells them straight what he thinks about where they're at. And the desires of your father you want to do. Basically, following through with the things that the enemy has supplanted in their hearts and minds. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Oh, you know who was there in the beginning? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heavens. Wow. You think Jesus is impressed with the things of this world? You have got to be kidding me. Your best, my best, the world's best that it has to offer is but filthy rags before the living God. Interesting thought. Our best, apart from Jesus, doing it in and through us by the power of his spirit, being motivated by the love of God, it's just nothingness. Wow. You are, he says, in your religiosity, in your physical Israel, in that sense, you can't even, you, you, my word has no place in you. You don't hear my word. This is what religion does. It creates a blockage through piety, through pride. It creates a blockage and we can't hear what Jesus, because there's all this other stuff getting in the way of our seeing who Jesus really is. The one who loves us with a perfect love. He doesn't stand. Satan doesn't stand in the truth. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said. And there is no truth in him. In the latter part of verse 44, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Man, he goes, it's just from the pit. And he just speaks from his own resources. Because I tell you the truth, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He says, which of you has the indictment that everything that I've said isn't valid? Is what Jesus is saying. Who has the, the charge on this? And if I do tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Look at verse 47. He who is of God hears God's words. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. What an incredible statement. 
I liken that into our time that we spent in Matthew's account in chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. And you can read it later in your devotional reading. But I, I liken this into that portion where Jesus explains about the parables and his teaching and his instruction that he's giving. And he's saying, hearing you don't hear, seeing you cannot see. All of the things he said. And, and what's the comp- that, that they might not understand is is he speaking in mysteries that it's supposed to create some weird blockage that they couldn't hear what Jesus would say that's kind of weird you know he's come to reach the world well why would it be like that then that seems complicated it doesn't make any sense well the truth of that is that it was given to those to receive those who were seeking for truth Those who wanted to know the truth are going to hear the truth from God because it's going to bear witness in their hearts and they're going to open their lives to Jesus Christ. We need to be seekers of truth continually. Not just initially when we first give our lives to the Lord, but on a continual basis that we want to continue to seek the truth from God's word. And I love this about God's word, that he mirrors back for us not who we dream ourselves up to be in our own minds, not who we purport ourselves to be to others, but how does God see you and how does God see me? One, God sees you through the eyes of love, which is an awesome truth. But love speaks truth. If you really love, you're going to speak the truth. And I'm amazed at the offense that is taken when truth is said and the hunkering down in just foolishness that takes part in our lives sometimes because we just don't want to embrace. Because see, if I embrace the truth, one, one thing has got to happen, I've got to make some adjustments if I embrace the truth. The second thing is conviction is there. And with conviction comes repentance. With repentance brings that change that we initially know is going to have to take place. And there's a vulnerability associated with that because I might be, I might be wrong, you see? And I doesn't want to admit that, right? It's the truth. Deal with it. That's where we all live, isn't it? The truth. This is what Jesus is confronting these guys. I love it. Jesus never stops confronting me, never stops confronting you. Why? Because he hates you? Because he hated these religious people? Absolutely not. He wanted them to see the contrast of where they're at. Man, I love this about the Lord. The Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now they start calling him names. You know, that's the best they could pull out. You know, you know, well, your mom wears army boots, you know I mean? I mean, it's just like, I mean, that, that was about what they could, you know, they kind of would come up with this thing here, and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but they're just trying to call them names, basically. Calling someone a Samaritan and saying you have a demon. You know, you're just calling them names. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and it's like, wow, okay. And Jesus answered, he got all rattled. Jesus, you know, notice how he got all rattled. Jesus answered, I didn't have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Basically, that transformation that takes place. You know, did a celebration service, graduation party for a sister that went to be with the Lord. Up at the service yesterday, 
You know, this was the reality of what took place. One breath on this side, last exhale, next breath, the other side. Transformation took place because she knew Jesus. That's the celebration, that it's really transformation. And he's saying, you'll never taste death if my word is in you. And the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. What are you saying about the, the prophets and Abraham then? They died. And Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and saw it and was glad. The Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that is the claim to be God, deity, right there. He says, No. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And you're saying, well, when did Jesus meet Abraham? When did they hang out together? Well, Genesis chapter 14 tells a wonderful story about this high priest, Melchizedek. Interesting character. Clearly a Christophany, a manifestation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Spoken of then in Hebrews and reiterated in the same way. This manifestation, this person of Jesus Christ, Melchizedek, a priest who has no beginning and no end. Awesome. So, other than Theophilus, if you're thinking of naming children, Melchizedek would be an interesting name, don't you think, also? Where does that stuff come from? You wonder, don't you? I don't know. But Abraham did meet up with Melchizedek, Jesus Christ. Remember they broke bread and he gave tithes. Abraham gave tithes. And the Bible says that Abraham worshipped. Worshipped Melchizedek. That's powerful. That's awesome. What a great truth. And the Jews said to him, man, you're not even old enough. He was 30 do you look old? I don't know what, why, but you know. They're actually like 50 is old. I don't even get it. I mean, you have to ask Terry. I think he's over 50 now. But <laughs> Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. They want to just kill him. And Jesus hid himself. In other words, you just kind of kind of walked through and they just can't even see him for who he, I mean, it's just, it just kind of disguised in the sense, it just walks through the mix with them. Went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Interesting. We started this, this discussion as they were going to take up stones kind of finishes up 
here, they, they're going to take up stones, but you remember in the start when we started this, he made the statement that he was the light of the world in the temple. That candelabra that was blown out now. You know, they'd, they'd blown it out. And he says, man, I am the light of the world. That thing that you've lit up to replicate the Shekinah glory that followed, you know, with, hey, he says, hey, that thing that's been gone, that Shekinah glory says, I'm the light of the world. Jesus is saying this. That's how we got started. And here at the conclusion, he's in the temple and he's hidden himself from, they, they can't see him for who he is. They can't see who he is. And he walks away from them. They want to destroy the temple. It is interesting that ultimately you and I become the temple of the living God, as His Word dwells within us. And He wants to give us that guidance and direction. As He is the light and the life of men. And so, He dwells within us and and illuminates our lives and gives us life. His glory dwells within us, as it were. And you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the living God, you and I. Isn't that an amazing concept? You and I are that, that temple where God dwells now. The glory in His presence. To this day, the temple doesn't exist except for in you and I. You realize that? The temple, the, the one that He's there at, it doesn't exist. 70 AD, Titus came through and it was destroyed just as Jesus said it would be. 40 years later, destroyed. I know the temple mount's there. And a place sits on the temple mount with blasphemy written on it. Now, the Dome of the Rock Mosque. The rejection of Jesus Christ is a horrible thought. And certainly our desire is to proclaim the presence of God can dwell in any human being that would surrender their life to Him. And it's by faith. It's not by works. Clearly stated. It's not through cultural Christianity. It's not believing in your certificate that said you got baptized or some membership document that you have to some congregation or that your grandparents possessed. But it is in a relationship with the one true living God. That's simple. We know that. We believe that. We profess that. We teach that. We proclaim that. That's our desire that all would come to know that Jesus is the great I Am, the becoming one, the one who is able to meet all of our needs as we rely on Him. Thank you so much uh, for listening today. This is Pastor Jim, and I'm really blessed that you've tuned in, and I, I hope that uh, God's really doing a, a fresh new work in your life. And oftentimes, uh, when we hear messages like today's message, the Lord starts to tug on our hearts, and, and he, he wants to hear from us. He wants our response, and that's just a prayer, a simple prayer of faith. And maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you need to repent and turn your life back over to the Lord. Maybe you just need to give your life to Jesus, and you've never done that before. This is your time. This is your opportunity. God's Word goes out. And he's making himself known, and he wants you to live and have everlasting life. Incline your ear and come to him. And so Jesus 
is calling out to you, and it's your opportunity to respond and call back to him and just open that door in your heart. It's a simple response in prayer. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. If you just pray this simple prayer of faith, God will come into your life and make your heart his home. Jesus, I ask that you would do just that. Make my heart your home, that you would come in and forgive me of my sin. I want to ask you to be my personal Lord and Savior. I know this isn't about religion. It's about a relationship, and I want to start that relationship. You're calling out to me. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I'm in need of spiritual help, and so I'm calling out to you, God, asking that you would help me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making yourself known to me, and Lord, I just want to receive that gift of everlasting life. I want to thank you for it right now, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. If you'd like more information about our ministry, please visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash calvarychapelkc. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. The service times and directions can be found on calvarychapelkc.com or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus,